Hi, everybody. Welcome to Journey of Faith. Uh, If you're new with us today, I want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. I want to say hi to you at our Torrance campus. Uh, Big hello to you this morning, as well as if you're watching online. I can... I can feel it's the Christmas season because it's a, uh, a blustery 67 degrees in the South Bay. Uh, my thin California skin is telling me it's Christmas time. So uh, we get a chance to celebrate this Christmas season starting today. We're starting a series of messages related to Christmas called Kingdom Come. And what we're doing over this month is we're focusing on a part of the Christmas story that is sometimes uh, read through or, or overlooked. We're all familiar with some of the elements of the Christmas story. But one thing in particular is when an angel came to visit Mary and told Mary that she would give birth to a son, Jesus, and that uh, he said that not only in addition to Jesus uh, doing miracles and teaching and, and would eventually uh, die for our sins and rise again, The angel also said this about Jesus. His kingdom will never end. What does that mean? Um, We're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. Because that king and kingdom language is kind of unique. That word kingdom, we really don't use a lot here in the United States. We don't have a king. It's It's not called a kingdom. But in Jesus's day... Kings and kingdoms were a normal way to refer to uh, political power and culture. If you had a good king and you were working with that king, then your life was good. If you had a bad king or you were working against the king, then your life was not good. But we don't really use that language. I was thinking, I can't really relate to having a king, but the closest thing to king-like influence and leadership over my life is probably my mom, I guess. Uh, That kind of like, life is good when I'm working with mom, and life isn't good when I'm not working with mom. Um, But then I thought, you know, there are other people that have like authority and leadership over my life other than my parents. So uh, just this last week, I just made a list of all the different people who had some kind of king-like authority over me. This is the list I came up with. So I got parents, I've got teachers through my my different uh, uh, degrees. I've lived in California my whole life, so there's been seven governors over uh, California in my lifetime, uh, 10 US presidents, um, and then I've had mentors and advisors. I've had 16 bosses over my lifetime. Some of you had less than that, some of you had more. I currently, my bosses here at the church are our elder board, which is a rotating group of uh, five to seven people. So that continually changes. The numbers go up, toss in the officers that give me tickets regularly, and I get to about uh, over 130 different people with like influence and leadership over my life. I look at that and I go like, where's the consistency? These are all different personalities and all different backgrounds and, and they all have their own flaws and expectations. Like where's the consistent influence and leadership over my life? Well, that's where Christmas comes in. 
Because as Jesus is born into the world, Jesus, it said, would have a kingdom that would never end. And so over these next few weeks, when you hear the word kingdom, here's what I'd like you to associate with that. Jesus's influence and authority in all areas of our lives. Is Jesus the king of your employment, your schooling, your relationships, your your emotional life, your sexuality, uh, your uh, reputation, the, the ways that you talk and communicate? The idea of kingdom is I'm going to allow Jesus to be the king of my life and then his kingdom, that is his influence and leadership, is going to flow out of me into the world. And that's part of what it means to experience Jesus's kingdom. And so here's our main idea for today. We can experience Jesus's kingdom that will never end. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, the, one of the Bible stories of the Christmas season. We'll start today with the Christmas season. We're going to read uh, one of the Christmas accounts. And then I want to show you a couple of ways that we can experience Jesus's kingdom, his never-ending kingdom. And then we're going to end our service celebrating communion, which is a, a beautiful symbolic way of declaring that Jesus is our king, either for the first time uh, or uh, kind of recognizing him as a king again uh, in our lives. Here's where we're going to look for our Bible story that we'll look at today, Luke chapter 1. Luke is the third book in the New Testament, and it's called Luke because it was written by Luke, who was a first century physician and historian. Now, in the first century, as Jesus had gone out and taught, and he, and he did miracles, and then he died, and he rose again, everybody was talking about Jesus. Everybody was spilling the tea about what Jesus did and said. And so Luke is like, okay, this is all great. Everybody's talking about it. I want to interview and gather information to give a definitive account of what Jesus did. In the first chapter of Luke, he actually says that. Here's why I did this. And one of the first stories he starts with is this angelic visit to Mary. And he documents it time-wise related to Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. And here's what he says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For I have found, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And then look what the angel says here. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Look at all that kind of royal, kingly kind of language in this announcement. When I first read this, I thought, how did Luke know this very private and personal interaction between 
the angel and Mary? Well, Christian tradition tells us that Luke interviewed Mary. As he was going around trying to find the story, he's like, I want to sit down with Mary. Mary, tell me about this visit. And then Mary is telling Luke, here's how it went down. And several times in this story, she's recalling this kind of message from the angel of an appearing king. That king motif is actually all the way back in the Old Testament. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Hebrew people were awaiting their great arrival of their great king who would actually pull people from all nations together. And don't we want that today? Don't we want the king, the prince of peace, a great ruler who can pull us all together and bring peace and unity and justice in the world. That kingdom that the ancient Hebrews wrote about and that kingdom that's referred to here is something that started with Jesus' birth. And when Jesus starts a kingdom, he's calling citizens. He said, do you want to be citizens in my kingdom? And that's the first way that we can experience Jesus' never-ending kingdom. It's this. Explore your true citizenship. I was born in the U.S., so I've never taken a naturalization test. Um, I talked to a woman here in the congregation. She, is, she just took her naturalization test to become a U.S. citizen. And we were talking about what was on the test and I realized she knew more about the United States than I did. I was like, I've been in here my whole life and you know more. And, it, and I was like, wow. And it really convicted me a little bit. So I was like, I'm gonna go online and I'm gonna take the naturalization test. So I went online, I found it, you can do it yourself. I took the naturalization test and I, there was stuff that I was like, hey, I know this. And then there's other stuff I was like, ooh, I should know this. Why don't I know this? I thought, if I should know a lot about the United States, shouldn't I know more about the kingdom that Jesus started? If I, as a follower of Jesus, am part of this never-ending kingdom that Jesus is creating, I should know something about that. So what I started to do is I looked up as many verses in the Bible that I could find about Jesus' kingdom. And I started studying them. And I'll actually share some of those verses with you on social media this week. That would be a great experience for you to look up. What does it mean to be a citizen of Jesus's kingdom? And again, that word kingdom, again, is Jesus's influence and authority in all areas of our lives. So you know what I did? I put together a little quiz for myself, a naturalization quiz based on Jesus's kingdom. Let me share with you some, some questions and answers in some of the verses that I came up with. So here they are. Here's one of them. What's the best way to deal with worry, anxiety, and the stressors of life? Prioritize Jesus in your life. Why would I say that? Well, look what Jesus said. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. Sometimes they're like, oh, I'm worried. I need to seek my job. I need to seek this school. I need to seek these friendships or money. Jesus is like, uh, no, if you're anxious and worried about things, Seek my kingdom first, and then as a good king, I'll help you with these other things. Here's another question I came up with. How can you help 
Jesus' kingdom to grow? The answer is through small acts of faith. See, some of us have made Jesus our king already, and we want to make a big impact in the world. You know how you do it? In very small ways. Why do I say that? Because look what Jesus said about the kingdom. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The tree metaphor for the kingdom is used throughout the whole Bible. The Bible actually starts in the book of Genesis with a tree and it ends in the book of Revelation with a tree. But here he's saying, actually, sometimes we feel like, oh, if I just had more money, if I just had different friends, if I just lived in a different area, or if I looked differently, I could do great things. Jesus is like, nope, just takes little things. That's how the kingdom grows. Now, the people in Jesus' day, they looked around at current events, and things were bad, and there were wars, and there were conflicts, and there was poverty, and all kinds of suffering and disease, and they were like, when's the kingdom gonna start? We kind of been feeling that lately in the last few years. Is the kingdom coming soon? Here's a question. When is the kingdom going to start? The answer is, it already has. Look what Jesus said. The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, hey, here it is. Or, it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. You know what he was saying? Jesus was saying, I'm the kingdom. When you follow Jesus and say yes to Jesus in your life, Jesus works in and through you And the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is. That is, the kingdom of God is growing as we are following Jesus and bringing Jesus' influence and leadership into the world. Now, some of you might be like, hey, how can I be a part of that? I want to be be a part of that kingdom. I want to be a citizen in that kingdom. Well, that was the last question I put up here. How can I be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Give Jesus leadership of your life. How do we know that? Well, we don't have all the sermons that Jesus taught, but we have the first one. We don't have everything that Jesus said, but we do know the first sermon he gave publicly. And you know what the topic was? It's not a trick question. The kingdom. (laughs) Look at this. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus always talking about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Jesus' influence in the world and how it's going to transform culture and society. Jesus is inviting us to be citizens of his kingdom first. And then citizens of our city and our country and our world after that. And so Christmas is this opportunity to say, God, let me reflect on what citizenship with you is like. And maybe as you read these verses over the next few weeks, if we, as we're talking about the kingdom, you can say, how can I be an ambassador of that kingdom? Here's some action steps, even as the Christmas season starts. Make a list of three kingdom actions that you can take this Christmas season. By kingdom actions, I mean, how can you be an instrument of Jesus' influence and leadership in the world. 
When you look at Jesus, Jesus was caring for the sick and hurting. He was sharing his love with people that were struggling in life. We gave you some opportunities earlier in the service of some outreach projects that we could have. Those are kingdom actions. But you have people in your neighborhood, people at your school, people on your job who are struggling with things, coming alongside them, showing them the love of God. That is kingdom action. Another kingdom action is what Jesus talked about in that first sermon, repenting. What repentance means is turning the leadership of your life from you to Jesus. There are some areas of unhealth. There are some areas of sin. There's areas of your life where you're moving in the wrong direction and Jesus is like, let me influence and lead you in a new direction. What would that look like this Christmas? There might even be some of you here today, some of you at Torrance and watching online, that maybe you've never actually enthroned Jesus as the king of your life. Maybe you say, oh, God, I'll give you this. God, you can have this area of my life. But what if you're like, I'm now going to remove myself from the ultimate authority and say, Jesus, I want to make you the leader of my life. I did that when I was 19 years old and it changed the trajectory of my life. I believe Jesus is my king and my life flourishes because of that. That's the invitation of Christmas. And if you're at that point, this would be a great season to take that step and maybe even during our communion time at the end of the service, that might, make, that might be a kingdom action that you would make. We can start experiencing this never-ending kingdom of Jesus right now. The first way is by thinking about our true citizenship. And then the second way is this, to live wisely as a citizen of heaven. My wife and I had an opportunity to travel to Eastern Europe uh, this summer. We went to Estonia, which is up near uh, Ukraine and Russia uh, in the Baltic area. And what was great is we got to meet people who were citizens of other countries and we're citizens of the United States, but we had a shared citizenship uh, with Jesus. So we were part of Jesus's kingdom, but we were citizens of other earthly countries. And it was really, really great. But probably one of the most challenging things was we were kind of coached before we went about how to interact in their culture. Because it was a very different culture than what I'm used to. So for example, one of the things they said is, um, we're not really big on eye contact in Estonia. So like when you're walking down the street, don't look at people. Try not to look at people in the eye. It's a little bit intrusive, which is weird because around here, California, you're like, hey, everybody, walking around looking at people. So that was where, like, keep your head down and try not to acknowledge people in the eyes, you know? If you feel real close to them, then kind of look at a 45-degree angle, you know? Also, I got a chance to preach in one of the churches. And they were like, don't smile when you preach. It's, it's disingenuous. I was like, don't smile. I'm smiling all the time. I'm like, hey, smiling for all kinds. Of, even when I talk about sin, hey, you're sinning? Hey, they're sinning in your life? You know, like, I just smile all the time. I feel like that communicates hope. They're like, no, don't do that. 
try to be all serious, like we're all the frozen chosen. This is real. But I think that's one of the, you know, traveling, some of you have been to other countries, some of you have just been to other states, some of you have just been like one city over, it's a different culture. And part of the, the, the importance of visiting another culture is understanding that culture and learning to work within that culture. Being a good ambassador of your home country while you are temporarily somewhere else. That very earthly metaphor is how the early Christians thought about their citizenship in Jesus' kingdom. Look what Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, said. He said, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Early Christians saw themselves as temporary residents and foreigners in the earthly culture. And so they were very aware to make a good impression. They wanted to represent Jesus well. Part of that meant staying away from getting too attached or focused on things in this world. It's very easy for us to attach our desires to things that will pass away. I got up this morning and and, and I got here to church at about 7.15 and I realized I forgot my phone. I almost had a panic attack. It's like, what am I going to do? What I had to like scan through the whole day. Am I going to need my phone? What's going on with my phone? I was like, the phone is my king. I was like, King Jesus, I need to, I need to make you my King Jesus. You will, king Jesus, you will get me through today without my phone. I'm going to be okay. But we get attached to things. And they take the, the they, they cause influence and leadership in our lives. Jesus wants that. We also have to be wise how we interact with other people. Jesus wants us to be citizens of heaven and then allow his influence and leadership to impact the culture. Our families, our friendships, our communities, even the country and the world. Now, let me say this. One of the prayers that Jesus encouraged us to pray in the Lord's Prayer is this. Lord, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's that kingdom language again, right? We're supposed to pray, God, you have a way you want things done. Help that to be real in my life. And then I'm praying that we can make your will done in our homes, in our communities, in our culture, in our world. Now, how does that happen? What does that look like? Let me share with you something that's helped me, especially as we're going into 2024, which I think will be a lot of culture wars and a lot of political wars, um, in addition to physical wars. Let me give you uh, kind of a grid that has helped me understand how we can allow Jesus' influence and leadership to come through us and then affect our culture and even our politics. And I call this the kingdom continuum. And that is, if we are citizens of heaven and residents of this world, 
what is our responsibility to the culture and to the political climate and everything around us? Well, Christians over the last couple of uh, millennia have had five different views about how we, as citizens of heaven, impact the culture around us. So on a continuum, let's say this side is separatism. This is when we say, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm gonna stick close to people that believe just like I believe. In fact, we'll form our own little Christian community and then let the world do what it wants. Um, I'm only gonna be around people that believe my way, vote my way, think my way, and then the world can be over here. Probably the, the clearest extreme examples of that would be like the Amish community, maybe the Anabaptist community. Um, the next place we have on the continuum is what we would call watchful Christians. Those are the ones that say, well, I'm, I'm here in this culture, but all, the only real change we're gonna see in society is when Jesus comes. So I'm gonna vote, I'll be around, I'll interact with people, but I'm just praying for Jesus to return. And that's where the focus is. Any interaction I have, I'm almost even just kind of letting the world go the way it's going to go. I'll just watch and pray and wait. In the middle of the continuum, we would have something called engagement. This is where we say, I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm a resident of this world and I have an obligation, actually. I feel like we're supposed to be working together. This is the Christian that says, I'm not just going to hang out with people who believe exactly like I do. I'm going to interact with all different kinds of people. I'm going to vote my values and I'm going to share what I believe, but I also believe that I live in a world where people have all different beliefs. So I'm going to allow other people to have those beliefs and we're going to partner together and I have to give a little bit and you have to give a little bit, but I'm going to be very engaged because when the world flourishes, I flourish too. If we move a little bit further, we have what's called activism. And this is a lot like engagement. I'm gonna stay interacting with the world, I'm gonna give and take. But activism is when Christians say, but there are some things that I am going to push. There are some things that I'm going to advocate for. And I believe these things are things that would help us all. Let's all fight homelessness. Let's all fight poverty. Let's all fight sex trafficking. Let's take care of the environment better. Let's work for social justice. These are things where you push for it in the name of Jesus' kingdom. God, you want your will to be done? We're gonna start making that happen right now. Now, the more you push in that direction, you get to this final section that's dominion. And this is when the Christian says, I want God's kingdom to be done right now, and I don't care what anybody thinks, we're making this happen. And the further you get into this area, the more you get into Christian nationalism, colonialism, crusading, and it's where you're kind of forcing the Christian view on non-Christians. And I think the more you get into this era, we've got to remember what happened when Jesus was arrested. Because when Jesus got arrested, 
the, the Roman soldier said, are you now going to establish your political rule on earth? And Jesus said, well, my kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, you wouldn't have been able to arrest me. So there is something about Jesus coming again that he is primarily responsible for turning all the hearts and minds and systems of the world. So I think if we're on this side or this side, um, someone said to me earlier, it feels like those sides have a lot of selfishness involved. But somewhere here in the middle are good spaces for us to be culturally, politically, um, with the world around us, allowing Jesus' kingdom influence to impact our world. Now, the question is, is how do I know? How do I know what realm I should be in or when I should be moving this way or this way? I think the best way for us to know is the more time we spend with Jesus. The more time we spend with Jesus and the more time we spend with other Jesus people who may actually have different views than us, I think that helps our discernment go up. So here's an action step I'd like to recommend to you. Make a plan to spend time with Jesus three times a week between now and Christmas. Some of you already do that. Some of you have a daily time with Jesus. That's, that's wonderful. But for, for others of us, maybe this season gets really busy and we might put that time aside. I think this time of year would be a great time to focus on some intentional time with Jesus. And what could that look like? It could look like some prayer time. Just spending a little bit of time, a few times a week, talking to God, presenting your concerns, maybe even kind of dethroning some of those areas of your life. I have, you know, if, if money is your kingdom, if people's opinions is your kingdom, if, if your, your health is your kingdom, what would it be like to say, Jesus, you be my king over all these areas? It could be reading some passages of scripture. We have some people here that are gonna read through Luke's gospel, Luke's story in the Bible over December as a way to think about Jesus. Some of the Bible verses I'll share with you this week about the kingdom. What would it be like to spend three days a week just reading one or two verses and say, how does this impact my life? And then maybe for some of you, it could mean setting aside um, a half an hour or an hour once a week. Go on a hike. Go on a walk with Jesus in your neighborhood. Go down to the beach and kind of recenter yourself as having Jesus as your king. What would that look like for you? Here's what we talked about today. We can experience Jesus' kingdom that will never end. A couple of ways. Explore your true citizenship and then live wisely as a citizen of heaven. Let me finish by going back to that story about the angel and the kingdom that we read about. As the angel announced to Mary, Jesus will have a kingdom that will never end. And Mary has the most wonderful response to this. Look what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Isn't that beautiful? What if that was our response to Jesus as our king this Christmas? 
We say, Jesus, you are my king. What influence and leadership would you like to have on my life? And then he reveals it to us, and then we say, I am your servant. May everything you say about me come true. Let's spend the end of our service saying that prayer in a symbolic way through communion. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand it over to to Pastor Jill at our Torrance campus, and then we'll celebrate communion at each of our campuses and close out our service. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, thank you so much. You have a wonderful plan for our lives. You're you're the king, and you'd like us to say yes to your kingship because you have an amazing kingdom that started right when you came in this world, and it's going to continue on. So we pray for... Um, the ability to submit and give ourselves to you and be able to live in the joy of your kingdom. Uh, Lead and influence our lives so we can touch the world around us with your love. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.